Welcome to the Upper Perkiomen Community Church Podcast. Join us on Sundays at 258 Main Street, East Greenville, Pennsylvania. Refreshments at 9 a.m. Worship gathering at 9.30 a.m. Or visit us online at upcconline.org. Please sit back and enjoy our teaching time now with lead pastor, John Buckley. As we continue our series on the gifts of Christmas, as you've been told already and already woven into our communion time and our songs, we're going to be talking about love today. Last week was the gift of hope, hope past, hope present, and future, and hope is a powerful gift that God's given to us. In a world that lacks hope in so many different ways, it's good to know that it's still alive and well at this time of year. Today, we're going to turn our eyes to love. Now, love and hope go hand in hand in many ways. Love will often drive hope, or hope will often drive love. But as we examine love, my prayer for us is this, that we can have reflective hearts and discerning minds to understand better what love really does look like in a world that doesn't really get love. Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 18 says this, as we consider these gifts of Christmas, the first being, or the second being love. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been, been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. God's love for us. And as we really consider what his love really means, I, I fear that too often we minimize his love and forget the power and the impact of his love on our lives. So I want to encourage you today as we consider a few things that you think about the way his love has impacted your life. And we want to start with this. We need to accept his love. We need to accept his love. It's interesting, and it was even alluded to as we talked about Valentine's Day. When we think of love, we think of Valentine's Day, but interestingly enough, I found an, uh, a, a survey that was put together, and this survey was put together by, America, it's a, called the American Wedding Study. It was done a couple years ago in 2015 in Brides Magazine, and believe it or not, the month with the highest percentage of engagements is December, with 19% of all engagements taking place in the month of December. The number one day for engagements to take place is on Christmas Eve, followed by Christmas Day, followed by New Year's Day, and then Valentine's Day. So although we must sometimes think about that, those of you that love the Hallmark heart-throbbing Christmas stories, you can be a little affirmed in that. But you know what I also find? That for some... Christmas time is a time when their hearts ache the most and they feel the least loved. Sometimes it's because of the stress that's going on in their life and they feel like they're obligated to the hilt, 
that they can't say yes to one more thing. Their bank account is smaller than it's ever been. There's expectations that are beyond capability. There's mourning to be done as holidays are celebrated without loved ones, perhaps because they've been taken home or because they're not in our life right now. Loneliness, romance, although they seem on the opposite ends of the spectrum, we can get enamored by both. Enamored, Pastor John? We can get enamored easily with love and what the world paints a picture to be, which is oftentimes unreasonable, but we can also, in our loneliness, paint a picture as if, is, as if God isn't enough, especially during the holiday season. So the first thing we have to understand is that we need to accept him, accept his love. John chapter 3 and verse 16 is the most famous verse about this, but let's break it down as we think about accepting his love. For God so loved. God loved us, folks. Don't just let that kind of bounce around your head a little bit. Let it sink into your heart. God loves you. God loves me. And he loved us where we were at, and he brought us to himself. He loved us. For God so loved all of mankind, the world. That's all of us. That's incredible when you think of it. Because I know some people that are easy to love, and I know some people that I wonder that anybody can love them. But God loved all mankind and continues to. For God so loved all of mankind, the world, that he destroyed them all. It's not the way the verse goes. If I was writing it, it probably would. If you were writing it, it would be a modified version of that. But God loved the world so much that he gave. The most precious thing, his son. Man, you would have thought there's so many other options, but there really wasn't. Because it had to be a perfect, sinless sacrifice to meet the justice of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And then I love the last part because this is where it hits home to us. That whoever that anybody, anybody, anybody that believes in him will not perish, will not be condemned, but will have life everlasting, life everlasting. See, if we can accept his love and understand the power of John 3.16, it's not a verse just to be memorized or to put on a t-shirt or a set of sneakers, but a verse to be believed in and to live by in our lives because we need to understand this. He came for you. He came for me. He loves us and was born under difficult and impoverished circumstances in order that we might have life through his death, burial, and resurrection. The key thought to remember is that he came for you and for me. How many of you as children got left by your parents at one time or another in your life? Wow, quite a few of you. My son Andrew's not here right now, and he likes to tell a story, which by the way is completely false, just so we understand that. <clears throat> we had gone to a restaurant in Hershey, PA, we, uh, my aunt had taken us there for vacation. There was a hotel right next door to a restaurant. 
Um, and so while we were there, we got done in the restaurant, and my children, I know every bathroom from here to uh, an hour or two radius and back because my kids have been in every single one of them. And Andrew, of course, you get done eating, you ask them 16 times throughout the meal, you have to go to the bathroom, you have to go to the bathroom. You know, and finally, at the end of the meal, Andrew, I have to go to the bathroom. Well, we're right next door to the hotel. Why don't you wait till we get to the hotel? I have to go now. Really, it just like hits you like that, right? Okay, go to the bathroom. So he goes to the bathroom, I pay the bill, and the bathroom was down a hallway, and I thought, well, I'll just wait outside here, because it's glass all along there. I'll just wait outside here while he gets done and comes out. Well, I didn't communicate that to him, so therefore, there is the fault on my part. But he came out of the bathroom looking for us. Now, I had, I had, we had said, we're going to get done, we're going to pay, and we're going to leave, but I didn't specifically say, Andrew, I'm going to wait outside. And so as he came out, and he was looking around for me, and he came out the door, he was practically in tears. Dad, you left me! I didn't leave you. I knew where you were at the whole time. But in his mind, I left him because I wasn't there for him. See, and that's the amazing thing about God. He never leaves us. We never have to feel like we're alone. And if we do, it's not because we've turned, he's turned his back on us, but it's because we've turned away from him and missed that his presence is right there. And I love this part. He takes us right where we're at. Not only did he come for you, but he takes you right where you're at. Whoever believes, no exceptions, no modifiers, no qualifiers, he takes whoever believes right where we're at. No matter how good I'm feeling or how bad I'm feeling, I cannot be good enough or bad enough that God won't accept me with shining stars because I'm so good or with a scorn on his face that I guess I have to because we're so bad. He loves us right where we're at. Love that about God. See, and I think in our world sometimes we get this mixed up feeling that we have to somehow meet this qualifier, that God's this happy or, or mad or sad God based upon my circumstances. But folks, just bathe in the fact that he loves you. God wants our obedience to him to be motivated because of his love for us, not fear of retribution or judgment. God's not sitting there with the celestial thunderbolt, as I've said before, waiting to slam us. And even in our darkest hours, he's right there because he loves us. And he simply asks us to accept his gift that he offers to us so freely. It's simple and yet amazingly beautiful if we will accept his love, John 3, 16. Secondly, you can see it on the screen or you can turn there with me. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. Experience his love. Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39. Romans 8, 38 and 39. The Bible says this. For I am sure, for I am sure, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's an amazing thing to understand that we can experience his love. 
his amazing love. Now you think about that for a minute, his love. And when you look at the scriptures, what are some stories in the scripture that remind us of his love? What are some? We'd be willing to share an example. Stories in scripture that remind us of his love. Brian? The woman at the well. well taking her where she was at in her brokenness and in her lostness with her excuses and with her fears, and he accepted her and showed his love right there. What's another example in the Bible? Stories of showing his love. Kevin. Yeah, the prostitute. When everybody wanted to stone her, and Jesus said, hey, let him that is without sin cast the first stone. What's another one? Take one more. Another story of love. Yeah, OT. Yes. Peter denies three times, and Jesus still calls him and uses him. And we could go throughout Scripture and tell story after story after story of his love from the Garden of Eden all the way through to the last verse where he says he will come again. Now, I will be, a, be honest with you. I don't always feel loved by God. That's not God's fault. That's because I take on things or a wrong view of who God is and what he really feels about me. But you know what? I can say this. I can always see the hand of God at work. Even when I don't see God, feel like God's loving me, I know he loves me and I see what he's already done in the past. I'm reminded of his love. Presently, I can look at ways around me that he shows his love and in that I can be confident of the love that he has for me even in the future. God's a God of love in action. I love that. His love sent Christ who left heaven and sacrificed himself for us. Now at this time of year, we're drawn back to active love, both in experiencing with anticipation all the things that draw our hearts and our minds back to Christ's birth. I don't know about you, one of my favorite things to do is at night, we have some lights inside of our house, and I love the Christmas tree lights. And I love to turn all the lights off. Usually it's before I head up to bed and everybody's already kind of gone. I lock the doors. And right before I'm unplugging the tree lights, which, by the way, are in the worst position possible, I think I'm going to knock the tree over every time I do it. Maybe that's what the anticipation for that is. But I, I leave it on, and before I unplug it, I try to have a seat and just enjoy the quietness and the beauty of the lights and what they remind me of. The memories, good and bad, but the constant reminder that this is all about celebrating Christ's birth, which was the gateway to my redemption and your redemption. The other day, those of you, at least in the Upper Perk Valley, got to see Saturday morning. I'm sure it was met by many different um, emotions. Snow. It didn't last long, nor did it stick. But Saturday morning, yes, it came, and uh, it was beautiful. And it reminded me about as the snow gently falls and even as it blankets things at times, which it didn't Saturday, just the beauty, and I just remember, reminded of the redemption of God, how he washes away all of our sins. So there's a lot of things at this time of year. If you really listen to the carols we sing, they also draw us back to the fact that we can experience his love. See, if we'll take our minds off the lists and the events and breathe deeply, so we can experience his love during this season because that is his intention. See, now his, in experiencing his love, I love this, his love brings freedom and it brings healing. As a child, there's nothing more frustrating. 
I remember this happening to me more than once. There's two things children hate. Opening a present, it needs batteries, and the batteries are not in it is bad. Because when you're a kid, and every second matters. You've been waiting, you feel like, your whole life to play with this toy. I remember I got a remote control car one day, one year. Now, they're not anything like the ones today are. I mean, basically, you could go forward and backward, you know, and run to many walls along the way. Now they have, like, cool, all kinds of things that, that you can do on it, like shoot in the air and probably more things I'm even aware of. But I remember I got one one year, and I, I went to get it, and no batteries in it. Then the second worst thing to that is when there's no batteries that fit it in the house. That's like torture. Like, mom and dad, really? I mean, honestly, that's when parents like to go, oh, it's Santa's fault. You know, he didn't bring the batteries. <laughs> Scapegoat. The other thing is when you get a present and it has to get put together by an adult. Because you want to play with it then. Right then and there. I mean, come on, it's not put together. And that's usually when there's 17,000 pieces on top of it. And you, you're a kid. Kids don't read instructions. I mean, we know adults half the time don't, so kids don't. We don't we're just throwing stuff together. We want it to look like the box. And we're not able to do that. When you receive Christ's love, there's no waiting. No frustration in it. It's pure and clean and simple. His forgiveness and life is instantaneous. And then there's those ongoing blessings Christ's love brings us freedom from our battles of sins. Folks, we don't have to wallow around in our sins. God gives freedom from that. If we'll take the steps that he offers, he'll give the power to overcome. And I also love this. God gives healing. He gives healing. Some of you are here today, and you have some deep, deep wounds in your life. Some are because of choices you made, and some are because of choices that were made against you. And there's deep wounds there, and I love the fact that God gives healing. Remember these verses again, Romans 8, 38? For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things that are present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, or anything else in creation, or anything else in creation, or anything else in creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God. It's there. Nothing, 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 nothing. That's basically what God's saying in these verses. Nothing, 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 nothing. You dream it up, and I'll tell you, none of that can separate you and I from the love of God. His love also brings comfort and purpose. When no one's there, he offers comfort. When no one, no one understands, he offers comfort. When it seems that no one cares, he offers comfort. And there's just things that mankind will never be able to comfort you in. I remember when uh, going through different difficult times, losses, there were never any magical words anybody ever said that helped. I always loved, though, that they were there, kind of like Job's friends. Job's friend's best impact was made the first seven days when they just sat there, kept their mouth shut. And the presence of others can bring comfort, but there's nothing that can bring comfort the way that God can. 
Cherish his promises. Roll around in his promises. Enjoy them. Realize they're your promises and my promises. They weren't just made and written here so that God could throw something on to fill up space. He purposefully put them for you and I to be able to embrace and to be able to know. But I love this too. He also, his love gives us purpose. You no longer need to walk around aimlessly. He's given us all a job to do. What is that job? Glorify him and serve him with a joyful heart. I said this a couple weeks ago, but I'll say it again. When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. We don't know what to do, do what you know to do. There's times in life where you're like, but what's the next big thing, Lord? What's the next area you want me to go? What's the next road you want me to go on? And if it's not clear, then just keep doing what you know to do. Keep sharing the gospel. Keep making disciples. Keep looking for ways that I can experience his love and be able to impact others as a result of it. Each day there's people all around you that God has a purpose for you to run into. So are you waiting for what's next to do or are you willing to do what's right in front of you? Last thing I want to share with you is share his love. Accept his love, experience his love, and share his love. 1 John chapter 4, if you can turn there, otherwise it will be on the screen again. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. You know, love can make us do some pretty crazy things. Many of us could tell stories of things that you've seen others do or you've been willing to do to show love to perhaps your husband or your wife. Definitely parents can share the things that they've, crazy things they've done to show love to their kids. And the kids would probably say, and embarrassing things. And even there's crazy things we do to show love to our animals. Everybody always teases us because we all work during the day, my daughter and my wife and I. And so during the day, a, lot, a couple years ago, we bought our dog, this is going to be really funny, <coughs> a, a, a heated blanket. Because our little dog gets cold, and so we're pathetic, and we buy the little blanket, and she loves her little hot heated blanket. The things we do because we love our pets. She's not like the Siberian Huskies outside, you know, that are got 16 layers of, of, uh, of, of uh, hair there. She's inside in her little blanket because mom and dad, my, my wife always loves it when I call her, our dog her daughter. She doesn't love that, by the way. It was a joke. But you would do the thing, crazy things that we'll do for love. For a spouse, for a child, for a friend, for a family member, for a pet. We do crazy things because of love. Love's one of those things I love about it that it doesn't run out. As I love my wife, I don't run out of love for her. It continues on. It grows. It perseveres. Christ is, uh, Christ's love for us is an overflowing, never-ending deeper each day, overwhelming type of love. And what he's asked us to do is to share his love with others. The greatest gift is not just for you and I, though. The greatest gift we can have is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the greatest gift that we could ever have in our whole life. But although that gift is for you, it's not just for you. See, as we experience it, 
He intends for us then to take that love that comes from him and to be generous with it to others because it's not going to get any shorter in my life as I give it to others. As I pour out his love to others, his love continues to be poured into my life. I'm not going to come up short. I'm actually going to see it grow as I get an opportunity to give it. It's strengthened and deepened even in my own life. I think we also need to realize this. The greatest gift is not a cliché. So this time of year, you'll see it on bumper stickers, and you'll see it everywhere. Jesus is the reason for the season. Oh, yeah, okay. Or, hey, the greatest gift in the world is Jesus. But, folks, that's true. See, they, they become a cliche, but they're really not a cliche. It's the foundation of what we believe, folks. If Jesus had never come and been born of a virgin and lived a sinless life and been cruelly, torturously crucified, buried, and rose again, we would never have redemption. So he is the reason for every season, not just this one. He is the greatest gift, because if I received no other gift ever, it would be enough. It would be enough. So my question to us today then is, how are we going to live it? Let's turn with me. Well, actually, first of all, before I do that, let's turn back to, uh, if you aren't there already, 1 John chapter 4. Sorry about that. I skipped over. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Did you catch that? What's love? That God gave his son as a gift for us. And that we then are called to take that gift and give that gift to others by sharing his love with them. I like the last part of verse 11 again, or the verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I talked to somebody one time. They said, well, ought, that means it's, that means it's, it's uh, optional, right? No, ought and optional aren't the same thing. <laughs> ought means the concept that this is the way we're supposed to live, not this is the suggested way to live. We are called then to love others. Now, you know what I love about that verse? There is no exemptions. You have to love one another if they love you back. Love one another if they're lovable. Love one another as long as they don't smell, as long as they're same socioeconomic class that you are, same intelligence level, same color, same gender, same place that you live, like the same foods. No. He says, beloved, If God so loved us, then we 
are called to love one another, period. So if we're not willing to do that, we've got to ask ourselves, then what is the barrier to that? What have we placed there to stop us from loving people that we don't find lovable? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3 as we close things out. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. So how are we going to live it? This is one of my favorite prayers. I have about three or four favorite prayers. This is probably one of the top two that comes from Paul to the Ephesians. He says this. I'm going to read the whole prayer. It says in verse 14, this is the reason why he prays. <clears throat> but I want you to jump with me to verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, you and I, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Folks, that's our challenge. That was Paul's prayer is that we would get that, the Ephesian church, but God put it there for us as believers to get that and grasp a hold of that, that we can get his love and give his love. That's got to start with us accepting his gift. Have you ever come to a point in your life where you've taken that step of accepting his love? Receive what's already been done and become his child today. The second thing is, will you allow his gift to be enough? Christ's love, is it really enough for me? I think we ask ourselves that at times. Will you allow his love to help you to heal? To allow you to be free? To give you comfort and to give you purpose? See, we have to believe that he can and then allow his blood to flood over us. There are many, many scripture passages that can be used that we can cling to and use day by day as we apply it to the different areas of our life that we battle feeling like he does love us, but he does. Will you allow his gift to be enough? And then lastly, will you purposefully share his gift with others? And this is how the world will know that you are my disciples by how we love one another, John says. Love is certainly about sharing the message of the gospel with the lost. It's also about discipling people. Those are things he lays out as a loving relationship. But love is also shown in other ways. Does our financial giving show that we love him? I'm not talking about just to the church, although I believe that's a part of our act of obedience. But just in general, does our finances show our love for him? Does our calendar show our love for him? If you look at your calendar, what times are dedicated towards spending time with him but then showing his love to other people? Does your family show love for him? This season shouldn't be just about watching all the holiday classics, making more food than we probably could eat in a year. 
hitting every shopping website and location that we possibly can. It should also about us taking time to enjoy the quiet with eager anticipation of what is to come. It should be about us looking for ways that we can share and, dare I say, that we can sacrifice. For some, sacrifice would say, I'm willing to invite somebody over that doesn't have somewhere for lunch on Christmas Day and break out of just our family get-together. For some, it might be buying a gift for somebody else and maybe not so much for our own family. For some, it would be willing to say no to certain things so that you can dedicate simply just time with those that can be lonely over the holidays. See, it should be looking for ways that we can share and sacrifice. We have to choose to live life directed by love. It's a choice we have to make. And it's going to show this world the way that we love and who we love as we carry it out in our actions. So I encourage you today, can you take one thing as you look at the Christmas season and say, I'm going to do this in a loving way that maybe I didn't do last year. I'm going to share this. I'm going to experience this. I'm going to accept this in a way differently than I did last year. Because it always comes down to this. It's one thing to hear a message. It's another thing to live the principles that are laid out. Otherwise, folks, we waste our time sitting here. We have to take it and we have to live it or we don't believe it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love, God. We certainly did not deserve, do not deserve salvation. We don't deserve, as the old song says, one drop of blood that came from your son's body. We are worthless people that you have found immense value and worth in. And Lord, we deserve nothing. And yet you have lavished on us so many things. You've spoiled us, God, and we still turn begging for more. Help us to know your love and be satisfied with it. But then, Lord, help us to turn around and to give it. Unfortunately, Lord, this time of year can become very selfish for us. We love ourselves. We love those you've placed closest around us in a way that sometimes verges on idol worship, God. And we don't love you the way that we say we do by our attitudes and our actions. Lord, help our checking accounts and our calendars and our hearts to be drawn to loving you wholly, God. We ask in your precious and holy name, amen.